We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Happy Tuesday, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to your favorite pod. We have a slew of intro topics for you girlies, but the episode today is going to be about happy hormones. So that should be fun um, as we're entering that time of the year when like the sun sets at a later time. Um, I kind of freaked out and I was like, oh my God, no, wait, we're back to winter. But I do, I do miss, you know, a crisp air uh, feeling in the morning and like a breeze. So I'm low-key excited for fall, but I will not be celebrating it too soon. Um, how you doing, dog? I'm doing good. Yeah, we're also potting and in the morning versus at night, which is what we've been doing historically. And I think we need to bring back the morning pods because it is so hard for me to articulate any sentences post like 8 p.m. after working for eight hours a day. So if we sound more with it, that is why. why. Um, But yeah, I feel you on the fall thing. I'm definitely excited to wear jeans and jackets. Like I Mm. miss wearing jackets. I'm so tired of just sweating through all my tops. Yeah. And I'm not entirely looking forward to the whole it's the sun setting at 4 p.m. and my boyfriend yeah. is like very protective and he's like doesn't ever like when I bike when it's dark out and I'm like well well this is gonna girl. Have to happen a lot in the in the fall and the winter when it like gets dark at four like I'm sorry yeah oh god I just I don't know I prefer to be outside and bike if I can and like he lives right across the bridge from me so it like doesn't necessarily make sense for me to take the subway yeah there's no um but just like there. things that we have to start thinking about yeah. um that is funny, the yeah. biking. I I was ripping an e-bike home at like 1030 on the Williamsburg Bridge. And I was so like in the moment, just like listening to music going over the bridge, like full volume. I didn't even have headphones in. I was like, anyone oh. can listen to my Lana Del Rey right now. But yeah, then I started like looking around and I was going so fast. And I was like, oh, this is kind of scary that I'm doing this. I was taking a video and I, I took it and I looked at it like this morning and I was like, it was so shaky. I was like, holy shit, that was a fast fucking ride over that bridge. 
No, dude, there was, I think the other day I was biking the bridge kind of in later in the evening and like halfway through when I was on the bridge, I realized that my bike just didn't have a bell. And I was oh. like, well, I hope I don't have to like yell Use at it. anyone or like alert yeah. someone because I would just like have to yell. And I was like, well, I should have like looked into this a little bit closer yeah. when I was like selecting which, which bike I want to take. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I kind of feel like I am just somehow protected from anything that oh, could possibly go wrong when it comes to the city bikes, which is really bad thinking. Well, I'm that way generally with anything. Like I'm on a run. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. Like if someone wants to fight, I will, will be fine. I'm like disheveled after a 10 mile run. There's no way I can defend myself. But um, let's get into uh, looking things that we're looking forward to in the fall. Because one thing on this, this slew that we're talking about, a positive of it becoming fall is that less people will be taking the city bikes. Because in the summer, everyone loves to rip a city bike, and I love that for everyone, but they are frequently out of stock when you try to go find one. They're broken. Uh, they don't dock properly. And so in the fall and the winter, it's going to be a rare breed that continues to city bike. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm also just excited to like use my oven again. I have not turned my oven on once this summer because my apartment just gets so hot, and it's like such like a closed space that... If I turn on the oven, like my apartment will take like 10 years to cool yeah. off. So I'm excited to, you know, maybe eat some baked potatoes and some squash Ooh. and warm foods that aren't just vegetables lettuce. that I can eat raw and lettuce. Um, So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Oh my God, squash. And I feel like my outfit game is much stronger in the fall. So from a fashion perspective, I'm excited yeah. about that. I've somehow, I've really enjoyed getting dressed this summer. Most of the time I hate it, but I think I've just really mixed in a lot of athleisure to kind of like get rid of that fact that I'm always sweating, like my mm -hmm. soccer shorts and just like baggy shit and like all my Hoparas. Like I'm not wearing heels ever. Um, no. I did buy a pair of heels, which like I bought them and kept them because I was like, oh, these are cute. And you know, there's never shoes in size 11 that are cute. And I just like bought them from a small brand, but like, yeah, these are never fucking, I'm never fucking walking a block in these. So if I ever get invited to like a fucking gala perhaps I don't have any weddings to go to um but I'm looking forward to that in the fall I think the food moments like you mentioned using my oven great I'm just looking forward to potatoes I'm looking forward to soup um I think you you made the meme about bone broth um I really got into that in the spring I was making that in my you know crusette pot every single day so I'm looking forward to that one also looking forward to being in a sauna like I love intentional sweating. I don't love sweating when I'm just like trying to walk outside. So that's something exciting. Pumpkin spice. Yeah, I know that was not looking forward to. Um, no way in hell you're looking forward to pumpkin spice either. I'm not. I am I'm... looking forward to oatmeal though. I'm like I oh. I'm kind of excited to maybe eat like a cheeky bowl of oatmeal. I haven't had that in a while either. Yeah, that could be good. I uh, I don't love pumpkin spice. Um, like. Ugh. Uh, I'm trying to think of fall stuff that I do like. Pies are good. Like pumpkin is a good one, but I, I do think it can get overblown. We'll see. I mean, I take no, like, I really believe that every weird brand out there, every CPG brand will try to make the weirdest pumpkin item. You know, I could see Olipop making like a pumpkin spice something. I don't, don't, don't give them the idea. Ideas. Ben, if you're listening, I bet, I bet, I bet Siete. I bet Siete does some sort of like pumpkin spice churro situation. Mm. Um, granola butter is definitely going to do some sort of pumpkin pie yeah. spice bread. Can um, we see like big coconut graza? Coconut maybe. Oh, coconut cold. I was going to say, if you, maybe? if you see like a, a graza making pumpkin spice olive oil or something Ew. like that, Ew. I'm going to say no. But yeah, I could see a lot of the brands getting into the pumpkin spice thing as they do. Um, will I consume and buy it? Probably not. Um mm. What was the other There's food other note flavor combinations out there? Yeah, there was another food note I had that I was like thinking about. Um, oh, granola bars. I like granola bars now. 
that's been a kind of month long thing. Like the RX bar, I don't hate. I love RX bars actually. They're yeah. a great, they're a great treat. Yeah, they're a nice little treat. I feel like they're sweet enough, but they also fill me up enough. They're not just like sugary and I have like a headache. Um, the Bear Bell ones are really nice. Uh, they mm-hmm. are sold at Trader Joe's, but I like got a bunch uh, from the brand, which was very nice. And then Bob's Red Mill has a granola bar that I was like, I did like an ad for them. So I got the granola bars and they're pretty good. They have like a banana peanut butter oat one. Um, that's nice. And yeah, I guess I'm like not anti-bar these days. Fuck them. I'll eat a bar. They have they have a time and place for them. I feel like for a while, granola bars were kind of viewed as like this like sad treat that I'm like eating because yeah. I'm like rushed in life because I don't have time to eat lunch at my corporate job. But they're nice for like little afternoon treats when you're a little hangry. Um, I've been loving kind of getting into more food moments. The Wild Way Granola, they sent Kate and I a few of their bags to try and I would classify it kind of as like a hybrid between a granola and like a trail mix Mm. they brand themselves as like a grain-free uh granola but it's like the base is like dates and a bunch of different nuts and seeds and it's like nice to have some sort of like clean granola not saying that like regular granolas aren't clean but sometimes I'm like it's too sweet for me and it's like I don't want that much added sugar in the morning um that's been like a nice little addition to my yogurt bowls I don't know where they're carried but I really love the blueberry flavor and then they have mm. a banana nut one that's also really delicious yeah big on the granola that's a good one um i've been on my pickle seasoning from trader joe's don't come at me anyone i think it's good but i noticed there's sugar in it which is i don't care i'm not like a sugar freak but i was like oh maybe that's why it's so addicting the sugar component mm-hmm. is firing up some pathways for me um to get into my other subject well speaking now I have an at-home cupping kit now. Um, I went to this place within in Flatiron and they had a little bag when I was about to leave because I was doing some content for them and they gave me a little cupping kit. And so I got cups in my legs right now. I just posted my story. Um, I'll let you know how it is. It's definitely not as intense as like a glass cup. These are the silicone ones, but it is nice. If you're just like sitting down, you can just put a cup on and free your mind. Um, I've been really into the weird recovery stuff. I think I talked a few weeks ago about like my weird like class pass where it was like a what even was it I sat down and it was like a a massage foam roll thing it was called body roll uh I was Mm -hmm. into that did cryotherapy I do sauna stuff but the cupping is nice but I will be ripping off the band-aid soon of me getting into breath work and there's a multitude of reasons I've always said I'll never be chill I can never do meditation I had this meditation class recently with Glossier and like the instructor was great and she was talking about like the benefit of med- meditation or like the purpose is just like getting there and showing up. And if you show up, that's successful. It's not like if you can sit still for three minutes, like you mastered meditation, it's just like you being there and doing it. So I've just tried to be more open to the idea of me getting into it. How will I, you know, get it in my routine? No idea, but I'm interested in getting into meditation and breath work and breath work mostly because I have, I really have shortness of breath when I run. I can't like basically I've talked to my PT about this, but my diaphragm, like I can't feel my breath all the way in my stomach. And so when you're running, if you don't have like a good aerobic capacity with your lungs and you're not using them in like the best, most efficient way, like I'm probably losing a lot of like fitness there. So I've been trying to open up my chest. It also has to do a lot with posture, but breath work is kind of like my next pillar that I want to get a lot better at because I notice I just breathe and it goes just like right above my, my boobs. And it just kind of sits there. Like I never can get like a deep breath. So TBD on that for me. 
I love that little journey for you. And I feel like I also kind of avoid breath work or don't even really allow myself to like partake in that exercise. I think is we're both very similar in being like type A and like perfectionist. And it's like, oh, if I can't like master this thing, even though that, you know, there's not really any like rule book in terms of like how to properly do breath work, but I'm always like, oh, I, if I'm unable to like sit still for three minutes and like have no thoughts and like I'm a failure and I'm not good yeah. at this, but I definitely like that you're just like letting yourself show up and just like experiment and see what happens with that. Um, For me, my recent um, endeavor has been Duolingo. I, mm. a few weeks ago, I was like, I kind of want to get back into French or at least like freshen Ooh. up my French. I took French in college and high school and I kind of regret not continuing to take it. I think just like knowing another language is obviously like great for the brain and mind. And I also just like need to stimulate my brain in other ways when I'm on my phone versus just like scrolling through Twitter and not even like fully processing what I'm reading. Um, but Duolingo was so fun. Oh my God. Mm. Um, the little bird is cute and I'm like low-key good at it. Yeah. Which is like also a nice feeling. I feel like I was like for the longest time, like, oh, Duolingo like sounds like so stupid and lame and boring, but no, it's it's kind of fun. I get it. It is addictive. I'm not trying to like, you know, become fluent in French, but it would be nice to just drop some French phrases here, here and there. Um, yeah. so that's been my thing. Also, if anyone has has any good book recommendations for me, let me know. I'm kind of in a rut. I really want to get Melissa Bro- Melissa Broder's book, but that doesn't come out until October. And mm. I just want like an easy page turner maybe a little bit of like some sort of like romance fiction situation. Yeah. Um, I'm just like so out of touch in terms of like what's even out with yeah. with books. I read so much like nonfiction, just like really dense health and wellness stuff. And I'm like, I need something where like I don't have to Light. think that much. And that's just like entertaining. So I think it's okay to read stuff like that here and there. Yeah, no, you should. Fiction is lit. Like whenever I do read a fiction book, because I am primarily nonfiction, I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun. It's fun to like live in a little story and have different characters and think about it. Um, yeah, get on book talk. I feel like you'll get ample recommendations for books. Currently reading a book about misogyny. That's great. And I feel like I'm back in college, which I think, you know, I said this in a YouTube video. I, I always forget if I say shit on the pod of the YouTube, but, um, I was saying, I feel like I'm a professor giving myself homework because I've been reading a book every single week and like loving it and stuff. But, um, yeah. And then I also saw a TikTok that was like dating pool so bad. I'm becoming literate. And I was like, also <laughs> facts. So yeah, I've just been becoming literate again. So shout out to, Shout out to life sucking and I'm just picking up a book in these trying times. But yeah, well, we're going to get into our episode now of happy hormones. We haven't really done like a hormone specific episode before. We talked about female hormones, but like Kate said, we are approaching the fall months when a lot of people do experience um, seasonal depression. So these are going to be some ways to quote unquote biohack your happy hormones and how to boost your dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. So there's a lot of fun, interesting stuff in here and we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, I'll call you back, and then let's get into the pod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's CMOS Hurley's. Let's talk about happy hormones because y'all know we're going to need them uh, when seasonal depression comes, as Emma said. So to start things off, dopamine. Now we did talk about dopamine, I think in a few podcasts ago, that was like a chatty one about trends because there was a trend on TikTok of like low dopamine morning routines and dopamine detox. Basically this idea that a lot of people want to like try to rewire their brain to not be so addicted to things like your smartphones or like notifications in the morning. Um, So go listen to that. I will mention that kind of, but let's do more of a deep dive into what dopamine actually is. So dopamine is a reward chemical. It's a neurotransmitter. neurotransmitter, neurotransmitter. Um, it's like this feel-good hormone in your body. We crave it. You know, It's been a survival mechanism as well. So when you think about like if you're getting chased by a bear on the other side, like you know that if you keep going and you'll survive and whatever. So it has been a evolutionary mechanism. It's not just some new phenomenon in the body. It gives you a sense of pleasure. It also gives you this motivation to do something. So that's why like smartphones, like when you do get a notification, it does like then boost your dopamine. It's like this rewarding system. Um, It's involved in neurological and physiological functioning, meaning that it's going to, you know, impact things like your motor function, your mood, everything um, from like brain stuff to physical stuff and your decision-making. Um, but when I talked about like the, this like rise of the low dopamine morning routines, the overall like premise of what I was getting at last week or two weeks ago, I think was that you can't like rewire your brain to be rewarded by stuff and not rewarded by other stuff. You can stop yourself from like checking your phone first thing in the morning, but if you've been reliant on that as a form of dopamine, you can't just like trick your brain to not crave that um you can't change like actually what's going on inside your head you can change your behaviors but it's probably not going to hack your body to change what it's rewarded by and so higher low dopamine levels do relate to like further health causes it might just seem something like you know throughout the day we all have to deal with our dopamine levels but it can be associated with things as like severe as like parkinson's disease restless leg syndrome and also adhd 
dopamine also acts as a hormone in the body. So you've probably heard like Huberman talk about things like dopamine and epinephrine and noroepinephrine. Um, these are the main, what are called catechlamides. Uh, there's this label on having part of the same molecular structure. And these hormones are made by your adrenal gland. And this is the gland that is on top of your kidneys. We did a whole episode about like adrenal fatigue and like, what's that about if you want to learn more. But as a hormone, dopamine is actually released into your bloodstream, which plays kind of a role in this like fight or flight syndrome that we all know about. Um, it responds to your body knowing if it's like actually in this stressful situation, if it's a real or perceived threat, if it needs to escape, if it needs to like seek refuge from some sort of like dangerous thing. And so based on all of this, as I said, like as humans, our bodies are and our brains are very hardwired to seek out these behaviors that will release dopamine because dopamine feels good. It's in our reward system. And so when you're doing something that is pleasurable, your brain releases a large amount of dopamine and it kind of becomes this cycle where like once you get dopamine, then you crave more, you find another behavior to give you more dopamine. And so you feel good and you obviously want to feel good. So you seek out more of that feeling. Um, there's a few other more technical things about dopamine that I think people could find interesting when it comes to like different like drugs, pharmaceutical drugs and how they interact with dopamine, which I'll get into a little bit later as I talk about like SSRIs and birth control. But there's three different categories of these like dopamine kind of drugs, I would say. Uh, one could be a dopamine agonist, one could be a dopamine antagonist, and one could be a dopamine uptake inhibitor. These are very Huberman lab pilled, like you've probably heard about them, as I said, on Huberman before. Um, a dopamine agonist is a drug that mimics the natural neurotransmitter dopamine. This will be used to treat people that get the disease of Parkinson's sometimes. Dopamine antagonists are drugs that will bind to and block dopamine receptors on your brain. And this means that it can stop dopamine but from being received by the next nerve cell. The reason that these would be used in like a clinical setting would be because um, they are like an antipsychotic drug. So that's why the antagonists would be used. And then dopamine reuptake inhibitors are drugs that prevent dopamine from reentering the nerve cell that released it. And these are often used to treat depression. So within kind of the realm of dopamine, it does do different things like if you're someone that's highly anxious and highly energetic, you could need something to like bring you back to neutral. But if you're fairly depressed, you would need to change like your dopamine pathways in a different way. So that would be something that obviously you talk to a healthcare provider about that you would talk to like a psychiatric uh, specialist to like provide you some sort of like drugs to deal with dopamine regulation. This is not something that like you can hack on your own once again, but some things that you can do to like deal with dopamine and kind of like regulate your levels if you do feel like they're off would be eating a diet that's high in both magnesium and then tyrosine rich foods. Um, they're kind of this building block of dopamine in the body. Tyrosine is an amino acid. It's absorbed by your body, then it'll go to your brain and that's where it is converted to dopamine. Um, another obvious one that we'll, I think we'll get to more is that like engaging in activities that make you feel happy or make you feel relaxed to try to regulate yourself on your own. Um, but there is still much research needed to, you know, learn more about dopamine and specifically look how it relates to different health conditions. Like we know a little bit how dopamine relates to depression and Parkinson's disease, but we still need to know more how it interacts with other neurotransmitters and other hormones in the body and other chemicals. So it's very interesting to like see that dopamine is now just kind of, I think entering, you know, like more like cultural dialect of like, oh, my dopamine is so high. I have a dopamine rush, but we're not actually kind of referencing the science. I think we're getting at like a vague sense of this like reward system that we're talking about. But a lot of times when you see dopamine stuff on TikTok, it's not actually like really scientifically driven, if that makes sense. Yeah. And beyond dopamine, which is like definitely the one happy hormone that's discussed the most probably in social media, there's also serotonin. And these two definitely get a little bit confused by people, but serotonin is going to be like the mood stabilizer. 
And this is another neurotransmitter. It's a chemical that's produced by like nerve cells that can be found in the digestive system. I'm sure if you've listened to other health and wellness podcasts, you have likely talked about, or I've heard them talk about, you know, 90% of the serotonin is produced in the gut and it's kind of the connection and like link between like gut health and brain health. And that's definitely like a growing body of research that I find extremely interesting. And then it's also found in the central nervous system. But serotonin is actually made up of tryptophan, which is an essential amino acid, meaning that we have to get this particularly from our diet and the foods that we eat because our body is incapable of producing it on its own. So if you're not getting enough tryptophan, it has been linked to depression or insomnia. So foods that are high in tryptophan are like turkey, eggs, cheese, pumpkin seeds, and tofu. So there's definitely like animal-based and also like vegan sources for people to get tryptophan. And it also exists as a supplement. And we'll kind of get a little bit more um, granular in terms of like other foods that you can eat to just overall support your happy hormones. Um, But serotonin, what it kind of does, it helps our body regulate anxiety and experience happiness, but can also aid in like bowel movements and heal wounds. So it has a lot of different impacts on our overall health beyond just like our mood and how we're experiencing and feeling about life. And like the key difference between serotonin and dopamine, because again, like these two can get a little bit confused uh, between one another is that like serotonin is primarily found in the gut versus the brain, which is where dopamine is found. And serotonin, it's going to like stabilize your mood versus like affecting like motivation and pleasure. And serotonin is also targeted in many like depression treatments, such as SSRIs, which we're going to get into in a little bit, a little bit more. And then also it helps with like regulating sleep versus like making you feel more alert, which Kate kind of touched on in terms of like the fight or flight that we experience through dopamine. But in relation to SSRIs, um, these are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and these are typically prescribed to those who have mood disorders and is intended to increase serotonin activity in the brain. So that's why serotonin is obviously discussed in relation to SSRIs. Kate's going to do a little bit more on that in a little bit. But if you are taking selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you shouldn't be like focusing on also increasing your trip to fan without talking to your doctor. So if you're someone who is on that and you realize like, oh, if I just like consume more tryptophan, then like maybe I can get off my SSRIs. No, don't do that. But also if you're taking both at the same time, it can almost like contradict the purpose of your medication. So that's just like something that you should, again, like always work with your doctor on and like don't like self-diagnose or try to give you some like self-personal treatment without talking to a healthcare professional. Um, and the consensus on whether like serotonin is actually linked to depression is actually pretty complicated and murky. And it's like actually kind of surprising how little research or evidence there really is to kind of fully understand how dopamine and serotonin and endorphins all actually impact our mental health. And it's really because there's like, yeah, no conclusive evidence that lower levels of serotonin are caused or were even associated with depression. And so a lot of research knows that serotonin does dictate how we respond to things and specific serotonin receptors might be responsible for specific moods. But like beyond that, they don't really know exactly how they just know that it can. And that's probably because like mood behaviors are so complex and can be linked to so many changes in the brain, like so much of like your upbringing and environment and just like all the different life experience that you've had can all contribute to what you kind of experience in like your current day-to-day life. So there's so many more layers to the onion that you have to peel. Um, So really more research needs to be done to better understand a kind of how serotonin works, but also why antidepressants work. And there's many theories pointing to their role of like neuroplasticity, which I'm sure you've probably have heard like Huberman and other more geeky podcasts touch on. So I'm not going to like try to explain it because they're going to be much better at providing that, that knowledge and research to you. But like this overall like serotonin theory about like serotonin and its link to depression has been influential for research and has actually 
what has helped a lot of people actually get prescribed SSRIs and actually get proper treatment for, you know, being clinically depressed, et cetera. But again, there's like still less data to back it up than we initially thought. So like, even though antidepressants increase serotonin, a lack of serotonin doesn't necessarily cause depression. So it's sort of like aspirin, like aspirin can treat a headache, but headaches aren't necessarily caused by a lack of aspirin. So just because you're someone who does have low serotonin, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like automatically going to be depressed because it's like such a huge complicated web. And there's so many different factors that really go into play. Um, And then kind of getting into endorphins, this is going to be the painkiller. And this is like largely talked about in relation to exercise. And this is another neurotransmitter, and it's known as the endogenous opioid, which are groups of protein chains called peptides. And endorphins are pretty much considered our body's natural painkillers. So it's released by the brain to one, alleviate pain, but then also promote pleasure. So when like the body senses pain or stress, these hormones typically become released. And that's why endorphins are also released during sex because 30 active parts are involved in the brain when we experience an orgasm and sex is a natural painkiller. Therefore it like triggers the release of endorphins. So if you're having like safe, happy sex, you're probably also experiencing like a very like positive and happy life to a certain degree. But exercise is another huge way that you can kind of help in increasing your endorphins. And it's the best way likely to boost your endorphins. And the example is kind of like the runner's high, which is like often talked about a lot in relation to endorphins. And it's like this euphoric feeling. And, you know, when you run, the body releases endorphins to really prevent you from feeling the pain in your leg muscles. So it's kind of like a way for your body to protect itself. And for the longest of time, it was believed that endorphins were like the sole driver for this like runner's high that a lot of people claim that they experience. But there's been more research to come out that it's actually not entirely because of endorphins, but rather the endocannabinoids, which I know is kind of like a huge talking point for Joggy, which is Ty Haney CBD company. And the endocannabinoids, these are biochemical substances that are pretty similar to 2HC, but it is rather produced in the body versus if you're like taking THC through some sort of oral supplement and how endocannabinoids are able to basically result in this like runner's higher, this euphoric feeling is because they increase in the bloodstream are in, are actually able to oscillate and move through easily from the cellular barrier on like endorphins. And so this is kind of why you're able to experience this like blissful psychoactive effect that typically occurs once you hit that certain point of like any type of aerobic activity. And it's not necessarily just running. I'm sure if you've done some sort of like high intensity exercise before, you've also have like experienced this like high afterwards. Um, so like I said, like boosting endorphins will help with also then further boosting the release of dopamine. So that's kind of why like any sort of lifestyle intervention is likely going to be able to help boost multiple happy hormones across the spectrum. And again, this kind of like further explains why exercise can be a great lifestyle intervention, but then people with low endorphins may also experience increased pain or moodiness, um, And low endorphins are also generally caused by both genetic and non-genetic factors. But again, there's like so much more research that has to continually be done to really understand like how certain levels of endorphins can actually affect your overall mood. Um, But yeah, if you're someone who, again, feels like they don't have enough endorphins or enough happy hormones, exercise will likely be one of the best lifestyle interventions, but we'll kind of talk about more of those later in the episode. Yeah. 
We love, we love endorphins and joggy and getting those hormones up. Um, like we've said before, I think like this whole topic, there's a lot of lifestyle things that you can just generally do to regulate these hormones that we are talking about and exercise and eating vegetables, going on walks, having connection with others are going to be kind of the base of like the things you can do to make these things better in your body. The next one you've heard about probably is called oxytocin. This is a love hormone. So this is a hormone that's produced in the hypothalamus and it's released into the bloodstream by something called the pituitary gland. Um, its main function is actually to facilitate things like childbirth, which is one of the reasons that it's called this like love drug or love hormone. Um, it's kind of similar to endorphins or serotonin. It's a type of hormone in your body that promotes these positive feelings. It's been shown to decrease stress and anxiety, and it helps like increase connection to others by doing so. And that's why it's kind of like thought about in like relationship context. Like that's how this hormone kind of like works in our body. Um, it is controlled through a very similar positive feedback loop to everything else we've talked about, where it means that the hormones causes an action and then it stimulates you to crave more of that and like stimulate more of the release of that thing. So if you get some oxytocin, your body will release it and then you'll crave more of it. Um, low oxytocin will be linked to things like depression, which I think will make sense because um, you have that lack of connection to other and specifically postpartum depression. I know that's a really isolating and like lonely time for women. Um, and so actually in the body, you probably have low oxytocin, oxytocin levels uh, and things you can do to like boost your oxytocin. Things just like a simple act of touch can seem to boost your oxytocin and give that release in your body, giving someone a physical touch, like a massage, cuddling, having sex, giving someone a hug. It can lead to a higher level of this and just an overall greater sense of well-being. So that's kind of the main ways that you can regulate oxytocin. Now, the next category is going to be about SSRIs and birth control. Um, saying that like as a disclaimer, um, this is not a statement if you should be on birth or birth control or SSRIs or anything. I was on SSRIs for a little stint in high school, probably under a year. I've never been on birth control um, and I'm not against the pill in any sense, just didn't make sense for where I was, um, had an eating disorder and I didn't want to be on a hormonal birth control because I wasn't sure if I could produce my own period, but that's a whole other subject in itself. But just saying that like, yeah, I have not been, I don't have many experience of trying like a whole bunch of SSRIs. Um, as Emma talked about before, SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, antidepressant drugs can sometimes cause sexual side effects. They can suppress, you know, basic emotions of hum of love and kind of the sexual desire. And it's going to be very individual. So it's not this like broad prescription of like, if you go on any SSRI, your libido will go down. It's like, if you're a certain type of person and maybe you go on one that doesn't work for you, you could have a decreased libido. So no way saying that this is like a uniform kind of like phenomenon. Um, but yeah, SSRIs can cause this sexual dysfunction and it's pretty common knowledge. Uh, about 30% of people who take SSRIs, SSRIs are known to experience some sort of sexual dysfunction. And SSRIs work by boosting these levels of serotonin in your body, which also kind of inhibits your desire. And so the drugs also will decrease your dopamine, which is this neurotransmitter, as we said. It is also a hormone in the body. And so these things kind of play around with your desire and arousal. And so there's new bodies of research that are suggesting that dopamine might play a part in romance as well. And so if you're on SSRIs and it's like playing around with your natural dopamine levels, this could be something that is linked to like the reason why some people might have like 
sexual issues because they're on SSRIs. But of course, you know, these sexual side effects, I would say, like to, to call it that, these can be very acceptable because if you are struggling with something super severe like depression, anxiety, um, that's kind of the trade-off that I suppose that you are experiencing, right? Like, oh, I have a little bit less libido, libido but like my depression is so much more regulated. Like that's something that's like a cost-benefit analysis you're going to have to do with yourself. And then we still do need a lot more research about SSRIs to be more definitive about this linkage to how it, you know, interacts with your happy hormones. Hormones. So the kind of like general premise I would say is to like, obviously have a relationship with your doctor who is prescribing you these things and talk about like how you're feeling on them. Um, they're going to be the ones that can, you know, get you on and off them, change them, change dosage and being open with your healthcare provider is going to be the most important part of it. Also, as we mentioned, like if you're going to just go off your SSRIs or you want to like do some sort of like other alternative route like it's really dangerous to just like fuck around with ssris and specifically because ssris also interact with a lot of different supplements so like have to be really smart with how you're doing it because i think if you're just like playing around with them it can be dangerous territory for what health outcomes happen in your body um so yeah play around with them you know some of these ssris are not going to boost your serotonin wellbutrin and bupropion i'm so sorry if i'm literally not pronouncing these correctly uh they increase levels of dopamine and neuroephrine um and it's been associated with a lot less levels of this like sexual dysfunction than other SSRIs but obviously it doesn't work for everyone in the same way so just stay curious and play around uh the next category is going to be birth control as I mentioned never been on it but I think there's like this common kind of thing going around well first of all there's like a few things going around with birth control where I think there's a bunch of like anti-choice people that are like I don't want to put anything in me and so I think you should take the perspective of like it's very individual. Everyone should have access to birth control if they want to be on it. If people want to do natural routes, they can do that too. But like birth control is really important in terms of like women's autonomy over their bodies. So just like making that clear that birth control is a like win for women everywhere. Um, but there are different types of birth control. They play around with your hormones different ways. Some people say that like birth control made me depressed. Birth control made me have mood swings. And so this could be like kind of why these things could happen in your body. Um, to start off, there are like hormonal birth control. And then there's also some that don't have, you know, hormones in them, like the copper coil, which I'll talk about later. Uh, so different birth control options will kind of regulate your hormones differently. There's very conflicting result results with this because like some studies say that like birth control actually reduces these depressive symptoms that patients may have. But some say that like birth control made it worse in this population of people. So the pill has been linked to, you know, these adverse mood effects because the hormones um, or you're changing your hormonal makeup in your body, but sometimes the hormones in it can actually help regulate some people's mood. Like some people say that like when on birth control, my depression got so much better or regulated my mood so much better. And there's little agreement on whether like one method of birth control is more likely to cause these mood swings than others. Um, and it isn't possible to like predict, which is kind of tough. Like it's not, you're not going to be able to say that like, if I go on this type of birth control, it's going to affect my body in this way. Um, it's often going to be a case of like, you just trying different ones out until you figure out which one works for you. Um, and so neurotransmitters, like we've talked about things like dopamine, serotonin, they might be affected by the hormones in birth control. And that could be because of the progesterone. Progesterone has this ability to make rewarding things feel kind of like less rewarding in the body. And so if you have this dampen reward happening in response to hormonal contraception, um, this could totally change like your mood and your dopamine pathways, like we were talking about before, but we still need more kind of investigation on 
on this. Um, the vaginal ring has also been linked to lower levels of these mood swings compared to oral contraception. Once again, it's going to differ from person to person. Um, and if you change your contraceptive method to the copper coil, which contains no, no hormones, that might be the most beneficial option to, if you are someone that it's like maybe on the pill and you're like, have these kind of crazy mood swings. Like if you look into the copper coil, um, that could be something that is better for you. Yeah. And then to round out this episode, we're going to touch on like foods to eat and then also lifestyle habits. And this is kind of like a disclaimer that if you are someone that's on SRIs or if you are someone who is clinically depressed, like these aren't necessarily things that you should just do in total replacement of what you're currently on or taking because being clinically depressed or having something that is seriously off with you is definitely like a concern and something that you should definitely get professional help with. And there's definitely so much push, I think, on social media right now about like Eastern practices and more like natural medications and like ways to treat yourself. And I think, yes, that's great to a certain degree, but also like there is like so much like good from like the Western medicine world. Um, So that's just something to kind of keep in mind. But in terms of like foods to eat, there's definitely growing research in nutritional psychiatry, which is really this relationship between like diet and mental health. And we have largely focused on how food impacts our physical health, but there's a lot more for us to uncover in terms of like how food can impact our mental health. And one of the big questions is whether like mood and mental health disorders drive people to choose unhealthy foods or vice versa. But kind of like overall, this is going to, this is going to come as no surprise, but like healthy, diverse, minimally processed diet is going to promote gut health. And since we know so much or starting to uncover a lot more about like the gut brain brain axis, which is like how the gut and brain communicate. um, There's a lot of like push for obviously to eat this type of cleaner diet. And the microbes in our gut are actually able to produce neurotransmitters that are linked to moods such as like dopamine and serotonin. There's a really good book called like This Is Your Brain on Food by Dr. Uma, which is like a great read for maybe those who want to learn more about the subject. She's been on multiple podcast episodes as well, probably like Mind Body Green, Mark Hyman, and a few others, but there's so many podcasts that do talk about kind of like the link between like food and and your mood. So definitely go listen to those. And some of these we've already have touched on, but first is going to be like tryptophan for serotonin. So like turkeys, nuts, eggs, tuna, and milk are all going to be high in tryptophan. And there was actually a 2022 study that found that egg protein hydroslate um, actually acutely impacted cognition and mood due to the high levels of tryptophan in the egg protein. And like I said, there's also tryptophan that is like available in pill form. I bought that before because for some reason I was like, I need tryptophan in my supplement routine. Um, and you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. So that'll be a great opportunity for you to eat turkey and get all your tryptophan. And then there's also, you know, fatty fish or really any type of omega-3s. So will help in reducing inflammation and it's like vital for brain health, particularly when it comes to cell signaling. Dark chocolate as well um, can trigger endorphin, an endorphin release. And it also contains flavonoids, which is like a form of polyphenol. So a lot of like amazing antioxidants and it can help with increasing blood flow to the brain. And then again, kind of touching on like gut health, fermented foods can be a really great addition to your diet because consuming probiotic rich foods can kind of help maintain a healthy and diverse microbiome. And knowing that so much of serotonin is produced in the gut, this can help with increasing levels and kind of beyond that also eating like your prebiotic fibers, because that is like the food and energy that your gut bacteria need in order to thrive. So I feel like I've sound like a broken record, but you know, your leeks, your bananas, artichokes, um, whatever other prebiotic fibers there are, you can also like resistant starch through like potatoes are a great source of these particular fibers. 
But again, like mainly focusing on like a well-rounded diet. There's not like any type of like food group that you should really be focusing on slashing out. It really is ultimately just like about pure balance. And there was a pretty good study that took two groups of people that were all clinically depressed, all had very similar diets, kind of similar to the sad or standard American diet. So to sink a lot of like ultra processed foods, refined carbohydrates, a lot of sugars and like very little fiber. And what they did with these two groups, one group was swapped to more of like a Mediterranean style diet. So they switched like a lot of like the processed refined carbs or grains to like more whole, whole grains and, you know, kind of reducing the sugar intake and increasing the fiber intake through vegetables and like other like lean meats and proteins. And then the other group kind of kept on consuming the same diet. And the goal of the study was not to see whether food could replace the meds, but rather if it could help provide any significant benefits, similar to how like exercise is often prescribed to people who are clinically depressed as like a way to help them in addition to the medication that they are taking. And overall, the results found that like the depression scores of the group that improved far greater for those that had a change in diet versus those who did not. And roughly a third of those people were no longer classified as depressed compared to 8% of people in the control group. And this kind of makes sense because like nutrients and vitamins are typically absent in a lot of these like ultra processed foods that we typically see in the grocery stores. And we know these foods are highly addictive, can cause blood sugar imbalances and increase levels of inflammation. Just like overall, you're probably not going to feel as good about yourself when you are eating that stuff versus like eating very like nutrient rich foods. Um, so I'm sure if you listen to the CMOS release podcast, you're already probably doing a lot of these things, but there are some specific things that you can maybe focus on adding and, you know, creating more abundance in your diet versus, you know, stripping things away and then getting into like lifestyle habits. It's going to be mainly exercise to help increase your happy hormones. This is going to release levels of dopamine and also help release endorphins. It's going to give you like a boost of self-esteem and it's like great for relieving, relieving stress and like do a movement that best supports you and one that you look forward to doing. Yes. They talk a lot about like how, you know, aerobic training and high intensity exercise is going to be best for endorphins, but there's so many other ways that you can help in, in terms of, you know, increasing your, your dopamine and your serotonin, and even just like doing yoga and like other relaxing movements can be very soothing for the body and help put you in the state of like relaxation and then strengthening relationships and like having sex. And I'm going to say, please have safe sex. Um, isolation and loneliness is becoming more and more common in today's world, you know, with like social media stripping away, like our needs or reasons for like having to have in-person interaction. And also just like technology has replaced our third party spaces. Like no one goes to church anymore. A lot of people are working from home. A lot of people take like online classes at home. So there's just like less human interaction. And like I said, sex also helps with releasing endorphins. And then you can do things like rest and meditate. Maybe you get on the breathwork bandwagon like Kate, and this will just help with producing a deep state of relaxation and just kind of allows our body to fully unwind and restore. And we also know that like sleep is largely tied to like your mental and emotional health. And I'm sure if anyone has gotten a few nights of like poor sleep, you can definitely tell how that immediately impacts your, your mood. And then also to vitamin D, this can also be something that you can take as a supplement, but this plays a huge role in serotonin and melatonin production. Um, you know, nearly 50% of us are deficient in vitamin D because we all work in office buildings all day. And we're also just like all online inside watching TV. So you can get your morning sunshine or take a supplement. And I think what's great about a lot of these like lifestyle habits is that again, it's like cheap and if not free. So it's something that like everyone can do. And it's like stuff that you're going to experience positive effects from pretty quickly. Like I know, sure, if you maybe haven't worked out in a while, 
like that first exercise or like first day back in the gym might be daunting and like so exhausting physically, but you do feel such a great sense of like achievement and like rewards afterwards because of like the dopamine and and endorphins. Um, and so, you know, it's like one of those things compared to like supplements where you typically have to wait like a pretty long time to really experience any, any effects. But with these, you, you'll kind of notice the differences pretty quickly. And again, not trying to say that like, this is going to like completely cure you, but these are things that you can do in addition to, you know, other things that you're already doing in your current, current life. Yeah, I totally agree. And even like Emma said, with starting a new workout or doing any sort of lifestyle practice, like I guess for me right now with like my meditation and breath work journey, uh, it's really hard to start. But I think even the act of like you doing it one time feels so good, whether or not you do it well, whether or not it's like a successful workout or breath work session, like just knowing that you did something to yourself that was tough and that you're like stressed about once you kind of accomplish that, I feel like it just helps you promote more of these healthy habits and more opportunity for you to do like better things for yourself. So uh, CMOS Girlies Challenge of the Week is to do something for yourself that is something you've maybe wanted to do, a health habit or something or a lifestyle thing or reach out to an old friend. I challenge you guys to do something that is a little bit out of your comfort zone um, and let us know what it is and let us know how it goes. Yes, I'm definitely intrigued. And if you guys like this episode, let us know. Maybe we can do something that's like on all the stress hormones next or just like kind of different similar categories like what we did today. Yeah, let us know if you liked. Um, what all you got? What what else you got? What else do you got going on today? Uh, this beautiful Sunday, Emma. I'm going back into Williamsburg. Uh, my boyfriend and I have this new tradition as of last Sunday where we do something called the SPS or the Sunday pizza stroll. Um, oh. So we'll get some pizza in Greenpoint, which I know SP- sounds so Sorry. cringe. No, I was like, SPS is a school at NYU. And I was like, what are you doing? But um, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> SPS, don't, not to be confused Slay. with SPF. Um, so yeah, eat some pizza, enjoy the sunshine, go on a walk, hopefully not sweat, drink a lot of water, stay hydrated. Slay, come on, Williamsburg moment. Yeah, I was in Williamsburg last night. Um for a little moment for myself um mm-hmm. i have myself cupping on and i want to give you the update after this episode that like it actually really works i thought that these silicone cups wouldn't do shit so this is your sign to get silicone cupping if you want but now nah, i gotta go to the gym and grind with all my fellow like bros that are about to be rolling out of bed at crunch fitness it's like hell in there it's really hell i just gotta keep my head down and like take a little bit of weed before so that'll be my mm-hmm. rest of my day so far and then there you go. Yeah. Take your little edibles and then go lift some dumbbells, squats, God. whatever you do with kettlebells. Feel the it burn. Is... Yeah, I really need to. Um, and then I'll pack to go home to Minnesota. Yeehaw. Um, that's the app. As Emma said, let us know if you liked it. Someone asked to do an episode about weed, which I totally could do. I feel like we have a lot that we've like there's a lot in the subject of weed, and like as Emma's talking about with like runners high and a cannabinoid system. So let us know if you want that. I know a lot of girlies are going off to college and wanted an episode about that as well, but let us know in Geneva. We are open to your subjects. Yeah, we can do another chatty episode where you guys submit your questions not necessarily q a but we've done some sort of like love line episodes like that in the past so maybe something that mimics that format perhaps could be good yeah let us know we'll talk to you girlies soon um hope you have a great week wherever you are in the world hope you enjoy the memes and we'll talk to you next tuesday